St. Augustine said that singing is a lover's thing. Cantare amantis est. Singing is a lover's thing. Perhaps the philosopher Joseph Pieper or Piper, when he wrote his book, Only the Lover Sings, was thinking of these words of Augustine. From our own experience, we can see how this is true. We've all observed somebody who's fallen in love, and there's a, a certain lightness about their step, a certain way that something comes out about them that seems to be that they're now inwardly, at least, dancing to a new rhythm. And they may even begin to hum, whistle, or something else. Sometimes this singing that expresses an inner joy or love or happiness can be the cause of frustration for us. For instance, if somebody's ever had a family member who loves to sing in the shower, and perhaps you want to get a few more minutes of sleep. But there is a deep truth that to sing reveals the deep parts of our heart. In the book that I mentioned, Only the Lover Sings, Joseph Pieper says that, and quoting Plato, music imitates the impulses of the soul. Music, in a certain sense, imitates our deepest passions, desires, fears, whether good or bad. There's a certain universality to music. When we listen to something, we can say, well, that's happy music, or that's angry, or that is rebellious, or that is pacifying. For instance, nobody's going to listen to Beethoven's Ode to Joy and think that that is sorrowful. There's a certain intuitiveness to it. On the other hand, St. Matthew's Passion by Bach is going to elicit deep feelings of sorrow or sadness or something that is weighty. Pope Benedict XVI, as a cardinal, wrote a book on the liturgy called The Spirit of the Liturgy. And in there he... he devotes a, certain, a chapter or a section to the place and role of music in the liturgy. And there he says that music in itself has a Trinitarian element. It is the Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit inspires the sacred writers, inspires us, inspires the church and protects the church. So the Holy Spirit is the one, too, who is eternally in, uh, composing eternally making the music that proclaims Christ. From the very earliest ages of the church, music was a very important part of the liturgy. In the beginning, it was the music of the temple and of the synagogue that was adopted by the early Christians in their psalms, in their canticles, and in their other songs. In fact, St. Paul mentions this. He talks about inspired hymns, canticles, and psalms, indicating the Spirit's role. The Spirit is, in a certain sense, the one who gives breath or life to the church's music. If music imitates passions, we might ask the question, what are the type of attitudes or passions that ought to be aroused or brought to to mind or to bear in the Mass. And this also brings up the the question of, you know, what types of music are appropriate for the Mass? 
There is, if we want to break it into two categories, we have secular or profane music. Nothing wrong with that, it has its proper place. But then we have what we can term as religious music. Now, not all religious music, though, is appropriate for the Mass. Think of red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Nice little children's song, but not appropriate for the Mass. Or one of the many songs that are out there to help children memorize the Bible books. These are religious, but yet not what we would call sacred music. There is a certain type of music that is appropriate to the sacred action that is taking place. Pope Pius X wrote a number of works on music. He was, at his time, there was a real um, kind of fleeing from the, the traditional musics of the church. There was kind of opera was entering into the mass. It was becoming a showpiece rather than true worship. And so in his work, he said, the traditional understanding of the church has always been that Gregorian chant holds pride of place. Now, when we think Gregorian chant, we might think, oh, that's what the monks sing in the monasteries. It's got to be in Latin. But that's not true. We actually, today, are singing Gregorian chant at Mass. When we sing the Holy, 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 when we sing the Lamb of God, the chant that I used for the opening prayer and for the closing prayer, for the preface, these are all based on Gregorian chant or chant modes. Why is this music, though, hold a pride of, pre of place, as Pope St. Pius X said? Because this music in particular gives um, the means for the words the emphasis is on the words rather than on the music itself. In other words, the music is at the service of the word. And here we get at what type of music is appropriate for Mass. Music is to always be the handmaid of the mystery that is proclaimed. Whether it be in the readings, whether it be in the Eucharistic prayer, whether it be in the Gloria or the Creed that we pray, this emphasis on the word, the logos, or the rational aspect. So the music is, in a certain sense, supposed to calm our interior dispositions, to bring us into a state where we are in a contemplative repose before God. Music is to elevate us to those highest realms where we encounter God. Music, if it is proper to the lover, then is very, very important for the Mass. Because in the Mass, Christ sings his love song to the Father in the Spirit. And we are called to enter into that song, to enter into that eternal praise of God. And this is why, whether it be the hymns or whether it be the text and responses in the Mass, each and every one of us is called to enter in. Unless a family member of yours has told you not to sing, you ought to sing. Because even if you don't think you're the best of singers, 
This is proper to the liturgy. I remember when I entered the seminary, being deeply moved on entering the chapel. And we had about 200 men in this chapel, all chanting the songs, singing the hymns. It's an experience that is deeply um, engraved in my mind and my heart. If ever I go back to visit the seminaries, that's one of the things that most moves me, to hear a full church singing the praises of God. Now, this homily, in a certain sense, has been a long time in coming. I want to apologize to you because it really should have been done months ago. The reason is, we introduced the, the creed or the credo, the singing of it, without giving you much of an explanation. But the reason for that was that the church desires that we sing this piece. The creed is a summation of the whole of our Catholic belief. It is one of the most important parts of the Sunday Mass. And singing points out to us those parts that are important that ought to be held up. You may think that it's a novelty, the singing of the creed, because unfortunately for the last 40, 50 years, the creed has not been sung that much. But before that, it was a regular thing that the creed was sung in the church. It, it, it requires a little explanation. The church desiring that the, richest, the richness of the tradition would be more manifest to the people, the Second Vatican Council permitted and encouraged that the languages of the people would be brought into the liturgy. So many prayers that previously had been prayed in Latin, sung in Latin, were translated and started to be prayed in the native tongues. But unfortunately, there wasn't a, a well-preparation for all the pieces that needed to be not only translated into the local languages, but needed to have music written for them or the words adapted to those modes. Unfortunately, it, let, it was for about 40 years that this remained so. And finally, the church, which is like a big wheel that takes slow to get moving, but once it moves, begins to grind the wheat very finely. There has been a move within the last, I'd say, 10 years, really, with the new translation of the Missal, to recover this sung tradition of the church. It may feel uncomfortable, it may seem that it's difficult, but I can assure you for those who grew up with the creed, singing it, it was not difficult. Recently there was a blog that, citing that um, Father Mould and I were looking at, and uh, the man mentioned how his mother, uh, back in the 30s and 40s, had, was, she said every Sunday in New York they would sing the creed. And even though it had been about 30-some years, 40 years since she had sung it, she knew the creed and sung it by heart. Anything that is new is at first difficult. We can feel resistance to it. But we might ask ourselves, do we perhaps see the music of the church as something that is optional, something that is added on, something that I can choose to participate in if I want? Or do we see the music of the church as something essential, coming out of the heart of the bride who is singing to Christ, her beloved, who in turn is singing to his father, 
in the Spirit.